In today's gospel lesson, John preaches for the forgiveness of sins. Please rise as we hear a reading from the life of Christ. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke in the third chapter. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, What then shall we do? And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod, the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias and his brother's wife and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. This is the gospel of the Lord. So there you have it. We see John out in the wilderness John wearing uh, camel skin clothes and tying them up with a piece of leather strapping, eating what actually is a pretty high-protein diet, (laughs) but locusts and wild honey. But if we were to see him today, what would we think? (laughs) Oh, he's just some homeless guy that's out in the desert. And, and he's the ultimate fire and brimstone preacher. And we don't pay them any attention anyway, do we? 
You see guys that maybe look homeless and they're standing on the street corner and they say, repent! And we think they're crazy. Well, I don't think the people back then were much different than we are. And so here's John the Baptist out in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance, calling people to repentance so their sins can be forgiven. And he's this weird character that doesn't fit into any of the societal molds. And he's out there and the people are coming out partly because they're curious. Maybe they heard about what he's preaching and they, they felt convicted and they want to come out. And so they come out to him, and what's the first thing that John does? He insults them. You brood of vipers! Well, that's a way to win friends and influence people. And he says, so who warned you about what? The coming wrath of God. Because he's talking about God coming for judgment. And he's picking up on Old Testament prophecies like the one that we read in Malachi where God is going to bring judgment on the people for their unfaithfulness, for turning away from Him. And in in Malachi it lists some of the people, the the, uh, adulterers, the idolaters, the people that have ignored the needs of other people for their own gain. Kind of lists that. He says there's going to be judgment coming. Well, maybe in some people's hearts that would instill a certain amount of fear, and maybe that could drive them to want to get right with God. Other people probably just would have written him off and gone about their own way and not paid any attention. But the fact is that God was beginning to work out His plan. And the judgment that we're really talking about is not what they thought, not judgment against like the occupying Roman army or any of that kind of stuff. But even today, we know that there is judgment coming at some point. And we know that at some level that we all need to be ready for that, that we need to be prepared for that that our hearts need to be in the right place in order when that day comes. But then our question is basically the same question as the people back then. So what should we do? Because all along they had been thinking, you know, we're part of the people of Israel. We're descendants of Abraham, and that means something. So that means we're good. It means we're in. But John said, no, don't rely on that because if God wanted to, he could raise up descendants from Abraham from these rocks. It's not about what group you belong to. It's about what's in here. So what do we do? Well, Malachi said it. Malachi said that God says, return to me and I will return to you. You see, God can't come to us when we have our back turned on Him. He just he can't because we're not ready and we're not willing. So He says, return to Me. The word repentance means simply to turn around. So turn around. 
Malachi says, and face God, and then he will be there for you. Return to me. That's what the call to repentance is that John was giving. That's what Malachi says, is that it's about repentance. And what had happened with the people that came out to see John is that what they professed in their religion and what they professed their faith to be was not necessarily how they were living their lives. And so there was that separation and that gulf between faith and life. And he says, that can't be. Well, I don't know about you, but I know what I stand up here and preach, and I know what I believe, but do I always practice it? Is it always at the forefront in my life? Is it always the thing that governs the way I treat people or the way I act or the way I uh, conduct my life? Not always. And I dare say that's the same for you. That there are places in your life that just don't always match up to what you believe or even what you say to people. We're all there. There are little ways and maybe even some big ways in our lives where we turn our backs on God and we go the other way. And so the call of John for repentance comes to us as well. Turn around. Turn around. Face God again. And let God deal with you and let God teach you and let God help you to grow. So then what does that look like? Well, John said for the people of his time when they said, so what do we do? And he said, if you have two coats, give one away. If you have enough food, give some of that away. The tax collectors, don't take any more money than you're supposed to. That was their habit, was to pocket a little extra for themselves when they collected the taxes for the Romans. Don't collect anything more than you're supposed to. To the Roman soldiers, he said, don't falsely accuse people, don't extort money out of them by force, you know, whatever. But what he's really talking about is... Just do the right thing and care about people and love people and treat people with respect and treat people like they should be. Even Malachi talked about the way we, we treat sometimes you know, orphans and widows and, and people that are oppressed and helpless. Make your life match your faith. St. Paul's prayer for the Philippians was this. He said, I always... Pray that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Who is it that began that work? It's Christ, right? Christ comes into your heart and he begins that good work in you. Notice he begins that work. It won't be complete till the end. It's a process. But he began that good work in you. Christ is the one that came into your heart, made you a child of God, made you his brother or sister. And he began that work in you. And what does that work look like for us? Just like it did what John was talking about. Paul says, I pray that your love may abound more and more. The love that comes from Christ in your hearts. The love that he puts there. Paul says, I pray that it will abound more and more and more. 
And so here we are coming up on Christmas, and we're going through all the preparations and all the things that we have, our family traditions and, you know, everything that we do. What does love abounding more and more look like than in our hearts, and especially at this time of the year? I think it means a lot, excuse me, about caring about other people. Because there are so many people out there that don't have what we have. And so it means caring about the 25% of the kids in this part of the country we heard that are food challenged, that may not have enough to eat. It means caring about the people that have to show up homeless people that have to show up at a place to get a good meal because they can't get one anywhere else. It means caring about the people that are represented on our trees out there by the door that need shoes, that need blankets, that need whatever it is. But it means caring about those people. It means caring about people like the Marshallese in our community who don't have good access to health care simply because they live in Arkansas. And we don't even think about that. It means praying for the people that at this time of the year where there should be peace and goodwill for all people that don't have any peace and who are alone and nobody really to care about them. That's what it means for love to abound more and more. And I'm sure you don't have to think very hard to realize that there are people, maybe even some people in your own family, maybe in this congregational family or in your neighborhood, who maybe aren't going to have a good Christmas because they don't really know that somebody loves them because they really don't know the love of Christ. So maybe God's calling you to turn toward those people and to find a way, some way, whatever he puts in front of you to be able to share the love of Christ. And then our lives will be what Paul prayed for at at the end of the lesson that we, we read from Philippians, that the fruits of righteousness will abound in your life to the glory of God, he said.